0: is Jamila Blue from Conscious Michiana. Our purpose is to connect Michiana to holistic practitioners and mind-body-spirit events and places within our community. Today's guest is Stacey Garcelon with Adam Kara Healing with Horses, where we talk about her journey and the amazing healing services that she offers. Daisy Garcelon, I am so excited to have you on the Conscious Michiana podcast. This is a really thank you.
1: Thank time. you so much.
0: Very You're very much welcome. So. You're welcome. We had met, it seems like what was it? Was it 2019 maybe or was it 2018?
1: Yes. Um right, well about there.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all blend together now. <laughs> I know, I know. So I um we had met. How did we meet? Do you remember exactly? Was it the Holistic Hub when we were doing that? I think so.
1: Or was it at a Kirtan?
0: Maybe. Letters, maybe. I don't Possibly. know. Possibly. I'm not sure. Drumming. I'm not it sure. Could so yeah. so <laughs> it could be so many things. We share so many interests. It could be so many things. But I, I remember being really excited about your program and what you do when I when you first spoke about it at it was a holistic hub it was one of the first ones Uh, if not the very first one Uh because I was so excited that you did healing with horses Mm -hmm. and I'm like wow meditation with horses I absolutely love horses (laughs) and I was really intrigued about what you were doing um Stacey can you Can you share with us your story of how you got to uh, your amazing Anakara? Absolutely.
1: I would love to. Um, So... I um, had a previous career in child welfare and I worked um, doing the whole scope of things. So I did anything from emergency response to permanency planning, reunification and licensing and fostering uh, licensing and training foster parents. Um, And I did that in California, Texas and Indiana. Um, And so when I got divorced, I knew I'd have to work longer than than um, I had planned. And so I wanted to do something that I was passionate about and enjoyed doing. And at that point in my career, I was getting a bit burnt out with child welfare and the various um, rules and laws in different states varied. And, and I had some, some personal things going on that, that I just couldn't be complicit with. Um, so I w- looked at schools and then I looked at things I was good at and things I was interested in as a child, like what brought me joy as a child because I really was looking for things that brought me joy and um, so I w- went back and I looked at um, I'm good at social work I'm good at listening and what brought me joy as a kid was animals and horses and what I wanted to do as a kid was be a veterinarian and I, th- I thought oh, that's too much school I don't want to do that little did I know I'd be in school anyway but anyway <laughs> it turned out that I found counseling, I found a degree in counseling that also I could specialize in equine assisted psychotherapy. And so I went back to school with the distinct purpose of getting a degree so I could do this work with the horses, um, ethically and, and professionally and with the required licensures and that sort of thing. So, um, so I, I dove right in and it was kind of crazy because I didn't have any horse experience. I've never owned horses. (laughs) Um, so I, but I did it. I said, what the heck? And, uh, and so I went back, got my master's in counseling, uh, got certified in equine assisted growth and learning association, which is, um, abbreviated as EGALA. I actually got certified in that before I got my uh, master's. So what I ended up doing um, was I hired a therapist and an equine specialist to um, begin our services here at at Onamkara back in 2016. So that's um, while I was in grad school. So it's kind of a little backwards, but fun nonetheless and exciting. And to see how the horses showed up for clients was really, really um, awe-inspiring and And to start studying the research and see how, what, you know, the anecdotal lessons of stories we heard, we definitely saw the healing happen, but to actually see the research begin to back it up. And the neuroscience that's now being studied about what horses bring to the therapeutic process is also just, I mean, it it, it ignites my curiosity and and brings me life, you know, just to get excited about it. I can totally geek out about neuroscience. Who would have thought, right? But that's, um, that's what got me here. So Anamkara is actually Gaelic. It's literally translated means soul friend. And the Irish um, have a belief that everyone is born with at least one soul friend. And a soul friend is someone that journeys with you on a path of self-discovery without any judgment and without any advice giving. And for me, horses have been that, you know, so that's my goal as a therapist. But when but the horses don't even have to try to do that. They, they just naturally are those um, soul friends. So we can tell our heart story to the horse and the horse will be present and meet us right where we're at. Um, and so that, that's the beautiful thing. That's, that's where I got the name Anukar. I got it from uh, a book by, of the same name by John O'Donohue. So um, I always want to give credit to that book because it's a life-changing book for me. I was going to ask you
0: if you were, I was going to ask you if you were Irish. So thank you for clarifying that. And you are Irish (laughs) on top of it. Yes, So that's even extra special. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So wow, what a remarkable story. So I'm really curious about how long were you in the child social welfare system prior to your journey with Anamkara?
1: About 20 years.
0: That's yeah. a really long time. <laughs> yes, that's a really long so time.
1: I started in California. I did 16 years in child welfare in California. Um, I was part of the child and family services review there. So making systemic reform to child welfare services, um, that was a fantastic job. Um, we got to actually acknowledge that there's a problem within the system and then take what's working and replicate that in other counties. Um, so that was very life-giving. We, we could talk to foster youth and foster parents and adoptive youth and find out what we did wrong, you know, and, and how to correct that and what we're doing right and how to replicate that in other counties. And then I left California, went to Texas and um, did the child welfare in Texas for a little bit. Um, Texas was light years behind California. And so, um, so I changed and I went to become an omb- independent ombudsman for adults with disabilities. So I did that for about five years. I got promoted to be director of quality assurance and then uh, moved to Indiana. So here, well, I am. what
0: brought you? <laughs> what brought you to Indiana?
1: Indiana has four seasons.
0: <laughs> so you um, were specifically, well, deliberately looking for the four seasons, or was there well, some other ties? Or
1: it was, it was kind of a nuance. So, um, so my parents had some property up here, and so did my aunt. My aunt lives in Chicago, but she had property up here and indiana and my parents bought some property to to escape the houston heat in the summertime and so they built a barn and um and i came up for the barn party and it was right in the middle of my divorce and um i i fell in love with it just the land that you know the land here and there's wildflowers and the people are so nice and there's nature and i really missed four seasons and um and And so I thought, you know what? And then here's the other thing. So, so as we're at the barn party, my daughter's like, mom, why can't we just live here? And she was 12 years old at the time. And I thought who, what child says, let's move across the country again, you know? So I took that as a sign. (laughs) Yeah. To Indiana. And so, um, so I took it as a sign. I said, well, let's just see. And, and, um, so we start, we set out the intention of, you know, let's see what, if this is meant to be, what doors will open. And that was, um, that was in July. Two weeks later we were we had packed our stuff and we moved out. Wow. Yeah, because yeah. school was starting. So we needed to get her. Yeah. What year so, was and that? And then doors just opened. You know, doors just opened.
0: So about had... 20 years ago or so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. What a remarkable story. I love that. I I didn't realize what your, I knew that you did social services prior to, but I didn't, real, and I knew that you were in California and Texas, but I didn't realize the, the length and the breadth of what your, what your journey was in that um, in that profession. I absolutely love your, your um, you wanting to follow your heart passion and what it is that you love because you had to make a major decision in your life to be able to provide for yourself and to Mm -hmm. be able to also find a way to give back in a way that would be meaningful for you. And it almost seems auspicious that your parents bought this barn in in the middle of Indiana. I mean, did they, I mean, did they have horses? I mean, no, they never had horses. I mean, what inspired (laughs) them? I mean, it's a beautiful piece of property and I definitely Mm -hmm. want to talk about your property there here in a minute, but I mean, other than like the amazing location, why, why the spot that they're at? I mean, it is an amazing location. It's an amazing location.
1: Yeah. It just sort of happened and came together. Um, my aunt was looking for some property, um, some country property, um, years before my parents bought property out here. And she found, um, she actually was, she was actually at my house looking at, out the back and, um, and there was some construction going on on the other property. And she said, well, what about that over there? And so long story short, the, um, construction company for that subdivision was going bankrupt and, um, so she met with um, some colleagues of hers, some friends of hers, and some family, and about six investors went in to purchase that subdivision. And so, to, to get to the barn, the story behind the barn is from my aunt's property and from my parents' property, they can both see the barn across the wetlands. And so, they both went in on building this barn so they can see it because it reminded them of something in their childhood. So, oh, so cool. yeah, so this property came on. Came on the market and I made an offer and they declined it. And I said, Well, that's on Umkara that because I didn't even see the house. I walked into this little office where I'm at right now and I saw the view and I said, That's my therapy office. I just knew it. You know, that's my therapy office. And at the time it was gross. It was really an old, it was it was gross. Um, but I love the view. And uh and so I made an offer on the house, they declined it. I made a counter, they declined it. I, I withdrew my offer. They took it off the market for a year and uh, they put it back on the market and they accepted
0: my offer. So it was meant to be. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the meantime, like you were already here or were you living in Texas at the time waiting for them to. Oh, I was living at my parents' place. Okay. Here in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you were just doing what you you were going to school and, and just working on your stuff in the meantime.
1: Yeah, I was going to school. I was working full time, and I had started on Amkara, um, so
0: so I was building that very slowly. At, at, while I was okay. doing okay, <laughs> okay. I'm just I'm trying to stitch the the timeline together and and just trying to to picture it out. So thank you, that's helpful. Okay, yeah, so 2016.
1: Can, so I moved here in 2015,
0: 2016. Yeah. Can you like if somebody's you know coming in? How would you what? How would you describe the property as they're coming in?
1: So when, I, when people are coming, um, I do describe the property so they, so they know where to come, right? So we have 10 acres, um, it's shaped like a rectangle um, and outlined by uh, tree lines. And then we have a two-story sage green uh, farmhouse in a circular driveway and you can pull in the circular driveway and, and if you walk towards the back porch, you'll see a separate building which is the therapy office. So the therapy office is located behind the house And there's a gate that has a sign that says either session, you know, there's a session in progress or the gates open and you can come on in. Um, The horses are out towards the, you know, obviously in the pasture and there's, there's a pasture out there. So when we do horse sessions or groups and that sort of thing, there's, there's chairs out there. The vision is to um, soon, we're going to be building an indoor arena and a meeting space and, um, and a barn so that we can provide services all year long. Um, and so that we will ha- also have a meeting room for groups so that um, we don't have to cancel for inclement weather and that sort of thing. So that's the vision that's happening next we're very excited about that. Um, and. Uh, yeah. The property is just gorgeous. I do want to, in the middle of the property, there's a, some trees that almost look like they're purposely planted in a circle, which I don't know how they got that way, but they are. So in the middle of that, I'd like to create a labyrinth. So a walking prayer meditation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice.
1: So every, every month we have at least one herd meditation. And um, that's one of the things I'd like to add.
0: Beautiful. So what I would like you to do is explain what a herd meditation is. But before you do, I would like to have an introduction to what events do you have on a monthly or weekly or regular ongoing basis? Can you start that? Okay,
1: absolutely. So um, the mission of Anamkara is to help people heal, people and communities and families heal from emotional wounds. And we do that primarily through uh, traditional talk therapy, EMDR and equine assisted psychotherapy. Um, So that's our, and we do that through other healing modalities as well. So, um, so we offer individual and group therapy sessions, either in the office or out in the pasture with the horses. We also offer um, groups such as a women's support group on the third Saturday of each month. Um, We offer a herd meditation on the fourth Saturday of each month we offer what's called fall in Friday for veterans. The herd is ready to fall in so that they can reconnect to their own mission and to support one another and meet one another. So those, um, the fall in uh, Friday for veterans isn't, it's not therapy and it's not a support group. It's simply a time for veterans to come together and meet other veterans and hang out and have some fun. Um, We do that primarily because the data shows us that that only 30% of veterans receive services from the VA. 22 veterans a day in their lives by suicide. One of the major things of being able to end that suicide trend is um, help them get connected and supported with other people. And so, um, so that's our goal for for that is is to just provide a space where they they can connect with one another. Um, so that's not led facilitated by me. That's facilitated by a Marine veteran herself um, because it's really important that they have one another. Um, I'm there as support, but that's um, that's just part of my passion. So that's one group. The other group is a women's group. That is a support group. It's led by, um, by, uh, you know, one of the group members. And then we have a herd meditation. Um, I have to catch my breath here. I'm so excited. (laughs) So the herd meditation, we have at least one a month. And that is um, where we come together as a group and we convene in a small group. I I facilitate a very short guided meditation just so we can all regulate our nervous systems and let go of whatever is bothering us, kind of get on the same page. And then I read a very short reading for some people that want some to focus on. Um, Other people already have something that they want to take to the horses. After that reading, we transition into a silent walking meditation, and um, we do that for about 30 to 45 minutes, and the reason for for the length of time is because we found that anything shorter than that, people don't really go in, inward. Anything longer than that gets too distracting, so there's kind of a sweet spot there, and we watch that. I hold space. I'm not actually meditating. I'm there with an equine specialist. I hold space to kind of watch, and make sure everybody's okay and um, and they can trust that, that we're watching out for them. You can use the whole whole space. So the 10 acres, you can walk, um, you can sit anywhere you like, you can be with the horses if or not, that's up to you. And we have the goats too. At the end of that 30 to 45 minutes, um, I reconvene, I chime a little bell. And we um, have the bell and we come back. And then people that um, want to share about their experience can, and people don't have to. What I love about that process is that once one person uh, starts to share, they, they, it's like a synergy, you know, they go, oh yeah. And then I experience this and they go, oh yeah, and this, and, and that just, um, touches my heart, you know, um, it's just such a gift. So that's what the herd meditations are. I know I'm forgetting some other stuff, but that's it for now. I'm going to breathe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. So herd meditation, women's support group, and a program or a place for the veterans to be able to meet yeah. in a safe space. Yeah,
1: I'd love to have a men's support group. I'm just looking for a man to that would like to facilitate that. I just don't feel comfortable as a female leading yeah. a man.
0: Well, you, know? <laughs> you just literally put that out there, like yes. you know, for all of our listeners. So, yep. <laughs> hey, you know, I and I you think
1: there's such a need. The men, the men need it, and they need each other. They mm-hmm. don't need yet another female telling them anything. They they need each other.
0: Absolutely. Um, there's some some people that come to mind. I'm going to have to uh, have them come your way or reach out to you because there are definitely some people Fantastic. That, I, that I think yeah. um, some men that would possibly be interested, if not just simply being a part of that group, if not leading it specifically. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think that's great. Do you have any Fantastic. programs for kids out of curiosity? I do. Um, we don't have, well, okay.
1: I do. So I, I offer I currently have a contract with the residential treatment facility so they bring 10 kids out twice a week and we do equine work with them. I also have a program um, that we do it's called horse powered reading and horse powered math. And so we it was developed by um, a professor at Concordia University and we got myself and the equine specialist got certified in it. And we did that on Spring Break last year and um, we were going to do it for summer, but we didn't. Um, and so, what that does is it really um, it takes kiddos that um, have a, they're struggling with reading or they're struggling with math and it creates an opportunity to have fun while they're learning. So, they get to use they get to work with the horses, not use the horses. The horses are sentient beings with a mind of their own, but they get to work with the horses and have a reading buddy or a math buddy. And um, they get to then dis- discover how to overcome challenges, like how to, how to, how to struggle with a word and how to work through that word. And then their re- reading buddy helps them or their math buddy helps them. So like for horsepowered reading, we create a reading road and they have their sight words on the ground and then they walk with their reading buddy and they read out their reading road. Or we have parts of a word um, on pool noodles and, and they're on the, the fence. And wherever the horse puts its nose, then the kiddo gets to create a new word out of that. And then we, we take down those new words and the kids write their own stories and their own books. And so that's a lot of fun because then it's like, oh, I can't, not only can I read, but reading can be fun. You know, it doesn't have to be something that you're sitting at a desk and forced to do, it can be actually something fun. And uh, it helps build confidence and how to think outside the box, so to speak, and have different strategies for overcoming challenges. Wow. It's a, it's a fantastic life skill, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to all of your programming as well as when, when you do have some new kid events coming through, um, you know, coming up, if there's something specific that you put back on the calendars, I'd love, I can't wait to see some, some more of that. I think that there's a real need, um, with kids, especially, you know, in conscious community, um, to -hmm. be able to make them more aware of things beyond, um, you know, Minecraft and all the right. video games that are on out how there. to get
1: in touch with their own intuition and how to trust their gut and how to trust mm-hmm. what their body is telling them, you know, exactly have some boundaries. And that's really the horses really help with that.
0: Let's talk about the horses. We've talked about okay. your journey. We've talked about your property and the programs. And you've hit on it a couple of times talking about the horses are sentient beings and, you know, they, they do what they do. It, so, When I first came to a herd meditation, I was clueless as to what to expect, and I was just really intrigued with, through the meditation of being able to experience being with the horses and the goats, and (laughs) that interchange, because at a feeling level, it's just so deep and primal and lovely, and it's just Really amazing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, I know I'm not going to be riding the horses. And I expect that I'll be, you know, being able to nuzzle on their nose and, and such. But I I had no idea of what to experience. And what you do there is so unique with that exchange and the horses, with those horses being healers. Will mm-hmm. you please talk about that? Absolutely. I'd love to. This is what I love
1: to talk about. So um Horses, um, they bring so much to the therapeutic really experience because they are herd animals. They're also prey animals. So they prefer to be in a herd or a family. And they also, their very survival depends on being able to read their surroundings. And then the other thing that horses bring to the relationship is their electromagnetic field. So as humans, we have an electromagnetic field and it radiates from our heart and it radiates about three to five feet out. We know this to be true because when somebody's standing next, behind us having not said a word, we can sense them there, right? And so in other traditions, it's called an aura, but now that medical science can now measure it with science, it's now called an electromagnetic field, which I think is hilarious, but you know, we save that <laughs> for another conversation. So we have the three to five feet out from our heart center. Horses have a heart that's five times bigger. So their electromagnetic field radiates 25 feet out. Wow. So they can sense you before you know they're there. Right? And their very survival depends on reading their, their surroundings. So they're sensing your energy and sensing whether or not it's, it's safe for them. And now horses are all different, just like human beings. So they may react to that differently than, than another or daily, you know, but they're sensing your, your energy. And so what they'll do is they'll come over and they'll either decide whether or not they wanna be around that. So kids know how, they learn really quickly how to regulate their emotions because they want to be around the horses. So they'll oh, I need to calm my body down or, oh, I need to do this. And that's um, so much more effective than an adult saying, calm your body down. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they learn that. The other thing that through the study of, of horses and, and mental health and, and that sort of thing is that what we're learning is that horses, their nervous system helps our nervous system co-regulate to theirs. So just by being in their presence, our heart rate and their heart rate begin to align and our breathing starts to align with theirs. So they start to help us co-regulate our emotions, which is why we get a felt sense that we're calmer, Right. When, when I ask people, what was that like they, say, they without fail? Oh, it was calming. It was peaceful. It was tranquil. Even the people, kids and adults alike that have, that have a history of being scared of horses. At the end of it, they'll say that was interesting or that was calm. <laughs> right. So their, their nervous system helps our nervous system co-regulate. What we, now, what we also know by studying attachment and, and human development is that before a person can learn how to self-regulate their own emotions, they have to first learn how to co-regulate. So if they have an attachment that was disrupted in childhood, that sometimes can be very difficult. Not always, but sometimes. So being able to learn how to co-regulate with a horse or with another caregiver is really critical. know and so once we can and for those of us that are now adults that that has been disruptive. we've had a lifetime of challenges attaching having that relationship stuff so horses are able to help us co-regulate and so then once we have that felt experience of oh this is what that means this is what it means when i take a deep breath and i can calm my body down oh this i've experienced now i have a point of reference And once we can now learn how to co-regulate, then we, and only then can we learn how to self-regulate. And that's really the powerful thing that horses bring to the the therapeutic relationship. The other thing that they do is they, um, they help us build connection. And we build connection by having healthy boundaries and asking for kind consent right so we we learn that with the horses and we do that because and you had mentioned that we're different by a lot of people because we are everything we do is on the ground and the reason for that for our purposes and it's not that riding there's nothing wrong with riding i love to ride (laughs) but for this hour and a half we're going to build a connection with that horse or a horse one of the horses and what does that connection look like for you and what does it look like for that horse and each horse is different, just like each person. So learning that nuance and learning where my boundary begins and when, you know, where I'm comfortable with the horse coming into my space or not. And then building that relationship, that's those are life skills that transfer to any relationship. Oh, and what's what's awesome about the horses is they meet you right where you're at in the day that you're at, and the mood you're at. They don't carry a grudge or a history or, oh, that's, you know, any preconceived notions about you. They just meet you where you're at. And so it's a very authentic experience. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's amazing to be a part of. Yeah.
0: Wow. Thank you for explaining that so well. I really appreciate that. It's so phenomenal. I mean, prior to hearing and learning about you and, and Anamkara and having the experience out there, I, ha- I mean, who, who I, I would have never known. I mean, really? <laughs> well, you- we, t- we tend to t- think of horses as
1: um, tools and, and, and so, you know, we, we have to work with the horse to get the horse to do what we want. Well, instead, our, our view is we're looking for the connection, you know, we're not looking to control the horse. We're looking for the connection to the horse. And, um, and that's not to put any other program down. It's just, a, it's a different way of working mm-hmm. with the horse. Cause there are lots of really, really good horse programs, um, that are different from ours and that's okay. It's just different, you know? Um,
0: yeah. Amazing. You spoke a bit about how you are, are one of the, a couple of the ways that you put yourself out in the community are with the kids programs that you do, um, as well as with the veterans. Um, is there anything like specific community related where, you know, where you go out into the community versus people coming to you that you are a part of or that you do or anything else in regard to community engagement services um, yes. that you'd like to so ma- a couple- mention of?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm a member of the um, Northern Indiana Veterans Suicide Prevention Coalition, which is a huge mouthful. But so I'm a member of that. I'm also a member of ACES, which is Adverse Childhood Experiences of Northern Indiana. Um, so I, I find a great deal of, of meaning and value in being involved in, in those community organizations um, and bringing some. My dog is whining at the door, so I'm like aware of that. But I'm um, bringing some consciousness to that, and and some. Um, I specialize in helping people heal from trauma, so a lot of the one-on-one work that I do on the mi- my micro level is is one-on-one work. And so what i like to do is balance that with a macro level work, being engaged in the community to help um, provide some trauma-informed communities. It's one of my passions. Um, a lot of education and judicial systems and that sort of thing. Um, If we can be more trauma-informed then we won't inadvertently perpetuate more trauma. And so I'm very involved in that. I have a contract with Dunebroke Child Advocacy Center. So I work with um, children, have been through the forensic interviewing process there and i work with um, the multidisciplinary team to share information about how we can be more informed when we're working in these service um, units and how to help people heal from trauma by providing choice by providing you know doing some things that just if we set our intention to um, it helps it helps the healing process
0: that's amazing Thank you. I'm so happy that you're able to add such a great level of service and being able to just really promote just that because as you said, I mean, we need to be able to recognize and be able to heal in order to stop that from perpetuating, as you had mentioned, and that's just so important. So important. So, if
1: I can go back and give a little bit of ex- example. so like if someone's traumatized, the part of our brain that, we, when we're triggered, that's online is the is the brainstem and diacephalon. So that's the midbrain. It's not the thinking brain. So when um, when we try to engage people with a thinking brain then and they're they're dysregulated we can't really reach them they're not online they're not thinking clearly they're they're in a fight-or-flight response so if we can meet them and regulate the lower regions of the brain by patterned rhythmic repetition going for a walk taking deep breaths once we can get their full brain online then we can start talking right then we can start talking, doing the thinking part of what was going on there what's that about but not until the whole brain's online. And I forgot what made me think of that, but
0: <laughs> that's a really that's great explanation um, because I mean, just with my own, um, my own episodes of trauma or experiencing them with others to be able to understand, I mean, innately, I get it, but I not having it explained to me. Um, I mean, it just makes so much, it just makes so much sense when you explain it, um, as far as being able to talk with and um you know, when, when someone's having an episode of some sort to be able to, you know, work be able with that. to
1: calm them down. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that we've learned through trauma studies is that insight alone does not heal trauma. So I can cognitively understand why something happened and why I did what I did or why I didn't do what I didn't do. You know, I can cognitively understand But the body remembers and the body has its own trauma responses. And so unless we can have a whole body experience of healing, the inside alone is good. You know, we appreciate it, but it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop or resolve the trauma symptoms, the depression, the anxiety, the panic attacks, the heart, you know, those sorts of things. So that's where the horses or a holistic approach to healing is really helpful because it incorporates both the cognition and the felt sense of the nervous system. Beautiful, thank you.
0: Thank you. Hey, Stacy. what's the best way to contact you?
1: The best way to contact me is either um, through my email address or by texting or calling the phone number. So my phone number is 219-207-7222.
0: And in regard to uh, like website, social media stuff?
1: Yes. So our website is www.annamcara.stables.org. That's spelled A N A M C A R A stables.org. And then we, ha- we also are on Facebook and I think we're on Instagram. I don't manage that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nice.
0: I will uh, be sure that we put in the notes, um, the show notes, um, your link so people know exactly how Thank to you. get a hold of Thank you. Thank you. And all right. So before so, we do
1: the rapid fire, there are two upcoming events that I, I forgot to mention. So, um, well, one's upcoming and one is, has dates to be defined. So um, the first one is the elemental healing, which um, is, is a sound bath and gong bath that is uh, facilitated by Corinne um, and Morgan, My, I can't say her last name, My- I must, I think something like that, but it's gonna be beautiful. It's focused on the root chakra, it's, it's October 3rd. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then the other th- thing that we just wrote a grant for was trying to, we're, we wrote a grant and requested um, some jimbe drums so that we can start having some drum circles and some drum lessons for African healing rhythms. Um, so the vibrational sound of the drum helps and the actual drumming is the bilateral stimulation helps our nervous system heal. So we're hoping to bring both of those elements into repertoire.
0: I can't wait. They both <laughs> sound amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. All right. Let's right. To rapid fire. What do you love most about providing the services that you do there?
1: I absolutely love the privilege and honor um, of being able to co-journey with someone on their healing journey. Um, I love to bear witness to their, their healing also to, that they trust me with um, their dark wounds and, and that they no longer have to hold that space alone that I, that they allow me in to share it with them. Um, And then I, I love what the horses bring. They never cease to amaze me. You know, I, I, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. Mm.
0: Thank you. The next question is What are three words to describe how people feel when they leave after experiencing the services out there?
1: Um, I started writing them down. The number one words I hear are calm, peace, and tranquil. Um, And and then I hear, I never want to leave. You know, I, I hear stuff like that.
0: I can attest to that. Once I was out there, I was just like, this is the most calm, beautiful, amazing spot ever. I can plant myself here and not move and be very content. It was a slice. It is a slice of heaven there. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And the last question If someone were lacking confidence or uncomfortable with making contact or coming on out there for whatever reason for the first time, what advice do you have for them to? make the experience more enjoyable for them?
1: Um, I would start with acknowledging that it's hard asking for help. It is definitely hard. Um, And so what I want to do is normalize that, that we all need a bit of help. You know, um, mental health is is just like physical health in that we all have it, right? Um, And it needs some attention sometimes. So what I would do to help normalize that experience and let people know that it's okay to call is I offer 30 minute free consultation, make sure it's the right fit. Um, Also talk about how equine therapy is different than talk therapy. See what you might be interested in. Um, See if, if you're even interested in therapy, right? You might be interested in something else. The other really important thing that I encourage people to do if you are seeking therapy is to interview your therapist. Interview more than one you know, um, because this is, you're important and your time matters and the connection you have with your therapist is important. I, I, for, to back to your question, what do I help, help people make it more comfortable is just normalizing it. It's hard to reach out, reach out for help, Mm -hmm. but, um, it's also very, very important and you're worth it. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You are a not-for-profit, are you not?
1: Yes, we are. Yep.
0: So how do, how do if somebody wanted to donate, how would they go about doing that?
1: So there is a very convenient link on our website, um, right on the front page. You can, right next to the link to schedule now, you can click donate. And also, um, you can pay me directly or you can pay on the website, um, check cash, you know, all that stuff. So we also do fundraisers. We will be doing a fundraiser for the barn and the, the arena and that sort of thing. So that's very exciting. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, I am so excited for you and all that you have coming up. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for your time. It has been thank amazing so to much. be able to connect with you <laughs> once again. It's such a privilege and an honor, and I'm so I'm I, I love hearing your passion. And as a lover of horses, it's just really fabulous what you provide. Um, so I do encourage everybody uh, to be able to come on out and experience Anamkara out in laporte and it's
1: technically laporte more (laughs) like rolling prairie (laughs) thank you thank you
0: and uh stacy i know you need to get going and i promise to get you out on time so
1: thank you so much i appreciate you so much thank you
0: i really hope that you enjoyed this podcast as much as i did I loved hearing the history of Anamkara and how Stacy started with this vision of what brought her joy and what she can bring into her life and others. Wow, such an amazing story. So I leave you with this track called Painted Pony. I thought based on the subject it would be perfect, and it's from my good friend, Gary Cope who is a musician from Indianapolis this track can be found on Bandcamp uh, from his Sacred Water CD I hope that you enjoy and uh, the credits to his music as well as all of the information on how to get a hold of Stacy will be in the show notes till next time everyone